Welcome to the Effects Loop. I'm Scott. And I'm Philip. We're keeping you in the loop, the guitar community. I can hear it though. And he's, I, like, it's mad. In- he's mad we're talking over it so much. No, I'm not because I'm not going to listen to this episode because I'm in it. <laughs> <laughs> this week's episode is brought to you by Electromotive Sound Co- Company Co. Company. Company. They're a company. They make a clone clone and it is better than pretty much every other clone clone on the market. And he should make the phaser again. I, I said it out loud. You hear that, Philip? You hear that? I, I do. I figured you're buying this off of me at some point. I've got mine. Why yeah. would I buy yours? Because you want more of them. Um, no. <laughs> you're gonna, you're gonna do the Diaz thing, which is buy all of a certain pedal. <laughs> hey, he did well on that. He did very well. Anyway, uh, yeah, you should definitely buy Electromotive Sound Co pedals. Uh, buy the Clone V3. And um, while you're at it and you order it, you tell Ben, hey, I heard you used to make a phaser. I bet it was real good. You should make it again. Tell him, you know, you think this year is going to be the year of the phaser, really. I mean, one day Aaron Abubo will manifest that even if <laughs> even if this podcast isn't really that active anymore. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that will live down or that will forever live on. Yes, absolutely. All right, Philip. It's been a while. Man, it has. I don't know. When was the last time you were on the show? Like midsummer, probably? Yeah, probably. long. Oh, it was when we recorded in Nashville. Has it been that long? Yeah. So Memorial Day. Yep, Memorial Day. Ah. So, what is new? I know exactly what you're going to talk about. Mm, There's so many things I could talk about. I know, but there's one thing particularly that you've already talked about that you want to talk about. I do want to talk about that one, but I have one other thing that I sort of would want to talk about that's, oh, this is tough. I'm going to talk about both of them. Screw it. YOLO. So um, my Two Rock Vintage Deluxe came in, and I got the 35-watt because it has the tube rectifier, whereas the 40-watt has a solid-state rectifier. Um, but your podcast the, is named the 40-watt podcast. I know. I, that's why I was like, oh, this sucks. But also the... Uh, 35 watt version has a so on the 40 watt version it has a uh, half power switch right Hmm. so it can go from 40 to 20 watts 35 watt version does not have that and instead has a switch to go between cathode bias and fixed bias and i actually find that more useful uh so i'm really glad i made the decision i did um i got the 115 instead of the 310 because i already own a a two rock 410 cab and so i didn't figure i'd needed a 310 as well um so i got the 15 i gigged them a couple of days ago and yeah i'm not sure i'm ever playing another amp again it's pretty pretty much the perfect amplifier uh 35 watts great wattage it's got um it's a head so i get just i can change the speaker cabinets as i want to um it's got tremolo and reverb built in. It's got bias trim, which is my favorite tremolo. Um, it's, got, it's just, it's the perfect amplifier. 
I'm really, really impressed with it. It better be for what I paid for it. Which was how much again? I don't want to talk about it. Does it start with a six? No. Does it start with a seven? No, it starts with a five. All right. All right. Yeah. Uh, you can find it. There are some out there. If you find it's because I didn't change anything about the cosmetics, so I didn't get any of the cosmetic upgrades. I got the black Tolex with the black panel style grill cloth, um, and the one fifteen is a little cheaper than the three ten. So it came. It came out. It's it's high five something. But I really like that, and I also got after searching for one for a while and almost ordering one brand new. I got a Mule Mavis. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, you bought yeah. that when you were you were here in Chicago. Uh, I looked well, for it at, while I was at, in Chicago. You, you bought it from Chicago too, didn't you? Yeah, I bought it from Chicago Music Exchange. Um, I, I, I went and wanted to play it while I was in Chicago, but it wasn't out on the floor. I looked for it. It was oh. not there. And so I went back home uh, and did some math, and technically my name was up on the list to buy one from Matt but the price was right on the one in Chicago. So even if I totally lose my deposit that I put, which was $250, you can look it up on the website. That's the deposit. Um, I still came out cheaper than buying one from Matt to get the exact spec that I wanted out of one. Can you move your deposit into a different guitar? He has already told me that if I want to, I can move it to a mule caster. I was thinking posing caster or mule caster would yep. be like, uh, that would be a guitar that you don't have yet. Yeah, and I've thought about it. I've definitely... I guess you have the Grez Baritone already, but... Yeah, I have a Grez Baritone. That's that's not the same thing, though. That's a very different animal. Those The the pickups that Matt makes for his mule guitars are very much their own thing. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, those are the newest things I've got. Um, they're uh, way more money than I should ever be spending on gear, but uh, I love them, and uh, I have them. Well, I have bought you, I bought nothing. So nothing, nothing. You have nothing. nothing new. I got nothing new. Oh man, do you have any plans for something new? Uh, I'm not talking about that. Oh, oh, really? So as soon as we're done recording, you're gonna tell me. Oh, I've already sent it to you. Oh, you Ew. know, you know, I've been watching it. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. I remember this. All right. I'm going to see what I can do about talking you into it. I, I just need to sell stuff. That's it. Got to yep. sell stuff. So, sell stuff. hey, people, if you want to buy things, hit Scott up. Yeah, especially if you're local to Chicago and you want to buy an AC-15 hand-wired. That's and still such a great amp. It is, but I also, you know, have this thing right the, here. The Dr. Z, yeah. I have, I have that Z-Rack, and I, I might like it more. I really got to do a shootout between the two of them. Yeah, well, I think... Um, I think you're going to end up liking the Z-Rec more, and I'll tell you why. Um, it's higher gain. It's it's a little higher gain. Uh, it's a little more power should you ever need it. I mean, it's, not that you ever gig an amp It's a little anyway. more reliable. A little more reliable. Um, I don't know. And it's also, it's got a cool factor to it. Let's be honest, that matters. It does. Yeah. So. And it's flame maple. So, you know, it goes with my vibe. Oh, that is true. That that is true. You're uh you're you're I you have know. one guitar with flame maple on it, yes. <laughs> I was gonna make fun of it. Uh, couldn't the PRS dental like the doctor blues thing, but you know your PRSs you have don't have flame maple, so one does. Oh, does it? Yeah, my CE does. That's right, your CE. That's right. And yeah. I love it. 
Nothing wrong with it. I, I played it. it. It's a good guitar. Yeah. It does so, it, it's like my all-time backup guitar. Like I'm it, it, always comfortable doing anything on it. There's just some weeks where like so like last week I uh I just we, it was Hispanic Heritage Month at my church. Mm-hmm. And so I was doing we were doing a tree. It, it was actually his, Hispanic Heritage Month everywhere in the US, but specifically your church was, it was celebrating. It was our it was our service celebrating it. So all our songs were in Spanish. We did one of our Soul City songs in Spanish. Oh, cool. And then we did a we did a trico and we did other stuff and we had a trumpet player with us for that week. So I came in, I was like, all right, dude, here's here's the lead lines you play them and then i just started and i just started doing more traditional kind of just strumming styles yeah so i brought a strat because that gave me the the pluck to do all the the scratch strumming i was doing so yeah no it's it's that you sent me some clips sounded really really good and so did that and then of course what's in my bag with the with my strat the ce just because like if something's going different that guitar can do whatever i want so I used to, I did a little bit like, you know, I'm going to put air quotes around the term guitar teching for a guy mm-hmm. who was, who was playing a bunch of local gigs, but he just needed some help, you know, getting his gear together, pedal boards. He was gigging. This is in the early 2000s. He was gigging two amps, two full, you know, remember the, the SKB PS25 pedal board? That remember like them? The, I had one. Yeah. Well, he had two of them full of pedals and he put them together. And uh, and this is a guy now who plays with no pedals, like literally zero. He owns like one amplifier. Um, But he was, uh, you know, helping him get his rig all wired up and do the thing. And I was tuning his guitars and restringing them because I'm it's one of the things I'm actually good at. Mm -hmm. Um, So. But he had he was gigging with a Strat, a Tele, and a Les Paul, and it's really interesting. He was the first time I ever had someone like really make me understand where the substitutions were because he had like a whole hierarchy. He's like, if I'm playing the Strat and I break a string, give me the Tele. If I'm playing the Tele and I break a string, give me the Les Paul. Mm-hmm. If I'm playing the Les Paul and I break a string, give me the Tele. Mm-hmm. So it's it's just that was the first time I really thought about it, but the PRS, those guitars kind of do all those things, or at least close enough, right? They get you in the ballpark. Yeah, there's their coil splits help a lot too. Yes. So. Yeah. So anyway. Makes sense. Yeah. So anyway, long story short, I haven't bought anything. So speaking of buying stuff, yes. So are you going to buy a new delay pedal? Ah, uh, probably not. But. Oh. I can see a few people lining up to buy this because Benson has come out with their own delay, the Benson delay. Originally supposed to be a bucket brigade delay, as they talk about in their development cycle, they actually wound up using a different chip with a lot of the same architecture Mm -hmm. to get a lot quieter and cleaner of a delay. And the fun part is they're trying to, they're making a hoot out of the fact that the chip they used was out of a old karaoke machine. I mean, you do what you got to do, right? Yeah. The PT2399. Uh, I watched the Josh Scott video of him playing this, and it sounds real flipping good. I don't care what they used for it. Uh, It sounds really, really, really good. It sounds unique. 
Yep. It's somewhere in that like weird void between an analog delay and a tape delay in the way the repeats. Yeah, I mean technically degrade. technically it still is an analog delay. Actually it's not a P digital delay delay chip, is it? It's not DSP, but the PT2399 is a digital chip. What so is a bucket brigade chip technically? Yeah, it's a well yeah, but this is this is actually a digital digital because I only know this because Josh Scott talked about it and I trust him way more than I should. But he said it is a it is a digital chip. Fair enough. Uh it's it's a traditional Benz so here's the thing Benson basically has their font mm -hmm. and their color scheme and so I would be hard pressed to recognize if the you have the Benson fuzz the preamp or the delay now since they all come in the same size box. Uh Yeah, that's true. I get they, that, but there's a sparkle to the delay. Mhm. Mm or not a, it maybe it's not a sparkle but there's like it's it's maybe a texture. There's a, there's a little bit of metal flake in it. Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. I which, like it a lot. Which foreshadowing, uh, we'll see a lot of metal flake later. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, this one's considerably cheaper considering it comes in at 279 Yeah, not bad for, I mean, a boutique analog delay slash digital delay. Look, I, I, especially one that has, you know, some controls for so, some lo-fi, sorry, not lo-fi, LFO depth and speed so you can actually control modulation. Like, I have an analog delay. I have the Mythos, the Oracle. Mm -hmm. um, no controls for that stuff. Like, the, there's, there's no modulation on it. It's just an analog delay. Yeah. And getting something that can go up to 1.2 seconds. Yeah, that's With big. delay time, which I don't ever use that range of it like that's <laughs> that's the sad part i remember when i got the tonal recall mm -hmm. that was one that was really maligned for not having a very long delay time right and then i realized i never actually used the max delay time on this thing but i still went and red knob modded it <laughs> even though you did not need it i did not need it but i did it anyway well, that's like the, the mythos of uh, the oracle i think yeah. it's got the it's got the typical 330 or 360 you know millisecond yeah and i find i keep it unless i'm specifically doing a slapback i keep it dimed and i i could use another 100 or 200 milliseconds of delay time oh well there you go it, it's it's again not a problem obviously lots of people have used uh, analog delays with that exact same delay time for years but i just i found i'd like just a little more just a touch more so as you mentioned 270 yeah, 279. Yeah, 279. Not bad. That's um, a great price. I believe also Benson just got picked up by Sweetwater. So it's a lot more available uh -huh. than it used to be as well. <laughs> really? Yeah. You don't say. Yeah. All right. I'm going to have to look at that. Oh, shoot. I still have a Sweetwater gift certificate. You do I have still have a Sweetwater gift certificate? Hmm. So I mean, that would be a much cheaper than 279. Yeah. Yes, there is. Well, while we're looking at pedals, there's a few other new updates. Um, so Walrus sneakily uh, has released a Mark II version of the 385, which the 385's been discontinued for a little bit. Wait, has it really? Yeah, it's been discontinued for about a year or two. Oh, interesting. I wonder, I wonder why. I thought that was a pretty good seller for them. It was, and then I think it kind of fell off a little bit because it was that projector, projector amp style. Yep um overdrive the whole blake blake mills thing yeah 
So this actually adds an extra foot switch to it too. So now you have an AB switch for two separate volume gain and gain settings to move mm-hmm. between. Um, and one of them has uh, a different internal voltage for more headroom and dynamics. So it is actually like checking out two different kind of circuits. Okay. I can get behind this. Yeah. Um, coming in at 250. Yeah. Makes it a little more expensive than the original. The original was 199. I mean, I I hate to say it, 250 is the new 200. Oh God, don't don't tell me that. I just got used to the new the 200. 200. When yeah. you're used to everything being a buck 80. Yeah, buck 80, buck 90, 200. But I did make a note as we were going through here because there's a lot in this list, y'all. Mm-hmm. There's no pedal below 249. That's it. Oh no, there is. I'm sorry. We are going to get to some. There's literally one entry at 199. Yeah inflation has come to the guitar market i mean this has been a long time coming with the tariffs that happened in the 2000 or the whenever that kicked in was that 2020 it was before 2020 um and then you had the gear crunch and then you had all these things so it's gonna be a while i i mean what's interesting is uh i think i don't know if i've gone on record saying this but i have said it to diaz um this is going to be probably one of the best Black Fridays in terms of percent offs. Yeah, we've talked about this. You did mention it on the show, but we've also talked about this off privately. Podcast. Yeah, that it, you're already seeing sales happen. You already saw Paul Reed Smith drop the SE prices for till the end of the year. Uh, you're seeing a bunch of guitars with a lot of backed up stock that they're going to start looking to load offload because yep. it's been a slower year, and production was really hot at the beginning of the year because people were buying like crazy before i think be looking for not only black friday but on into the holiday season i think i think black friday sales this year will extend a little longer than just the weekend yeah so we'll see i'm really excited we'll see where that comes because it used to be so predictable it was just like 15 percent off every pedal right. maker was just doing 15 percent off or 10 percent off or basically they're giving you the discount they give every influencer that hawks their pedals for them. yeah and then uh, Walrus will do a special colorway for the holiday, mm-hmm. which are always fun. I, I Don't get me wrong. I enjoy that part of it. Yeah, I think they put a lot of work into their different colorways because they're not yes, they just do. another color scheme. It's entirely new art. Yeah. So I do appreciate that, but I'm, I'm also not going to buy new one just for the art. I don't know of a pedal that I would buy extra copies just for different art on it. I me, did that. Me, yeah, you did. I bought I bought a special edition Julia because I was like, the Julia is staying. Now I yeah. just want a special one. Yeah. Um, well, also, I, I've watched in the gear groups. The one, I can't remember who it is, but there's one person in the gear groups who has every color of the plumes that has ever been released. It's like 15. There's always one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I just... He it like every he could do. There's a it, different. It, it's like those people that buy one of every color of like groats, yeah, or fireflies yep. or the like firefly was a big one. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I kind of want one of every color of the the squire rascal base, but I want all I, my fenders to be the same color. But I'm a weirdo like that. <laughs> Sunburst. It's the only color that matters. Sunburst torque guard. That's my vibe. Yeah, I get it. I get it. It's how you got me stinking looking at an Isbell Telecaster again. When you made me realize, I'm like, oh, that's... It's exactly what you want out of a Telecaster. Except for I want to swap the guard, but that's easy to do. Mine's behind me right now because I've been playing it all day and yesterday. 
But I so. also have a Titan that does everything I want out of a Telecaster already. So Yeah, but you know what you don't have? Hmm. A Telecaster. Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> well, speaking of good, uh, Eventide has brought out the new Riptide pedal that combines an overdrive with Univibe, sort of. It's Univibe, sort of. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a digital, so it's yeah. not going to do the true Univibe thing. And it's also, I don't know about you, but I have a little bit of Eventide fatigue. Yeah. So I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around this one. Because one, I don't think of Eventide as an overdrive pedal c- company at all. So that's kind of off-brand. It's like, remember when Strymon came out with an overdrive pedal and everyone was hot on it for all of like uh-huh. six weeks? And I still think those overdrives get maligned because I think they're very good. They are, but it's just not on brand. There's just something with different brands where it just doesn't right. work out. Now, it doesn't feel... We're going to talk about something that doesn't feel right yeah. later about a brand bringing it out. Um, but I'll also say this. Um, this is not just for guitar players because you've got a mono and stereo in sw- that are switchable on the backside. And it also has an adjustment for doing guitar or line level. Yeah, which is immediately saying this is really for synth players to get some grit on what they're doing. Absolutely, and that's fine. I think that's awesome. That it doesn't excite me one because I'm a um, uh, I'm a Univibe snob, and therefore I don't want a digital Univibe one. And y'all can yell at me all you want. It's just I've tried a bunch of them. They don't. It doesn't work. And two, I don't want a, a single pedal that is drive and univibe i i want them separate because i don't always want the same drive with my univibe so yeah it's a commi- i think it's it's a commitment to the drive isn't it yeah because like a you, commitment you, you, that leave, is a drive. you leave the univibe there it's really like it, so if the drive had like different flavor options or things like mm-hmm. that you might be a little more into it now it does have midi controls which you know do, do help expand it and especially at a 300 dollars price point yeah midi controllable stereo is actually a pretty interesting prospect uh with the midi but um yeah i i also do like it has it has a kill dry option so you can go full vibrato with the univibe and it's also got um a, a switch for flipping the order whether it's drive into vibe or vibe into drive that's good that's great they give you a lot of options I just do have a hard it, time getting excited about this personally. It's also, I mean, remember, it is also a digital pedal here mm-hmm. with the vibe. So it's not as buffer sensitive impedance loading that you you had with older like That's true. analog Univibe stuff. Yeah. I, I Ever since I got my Sabatius, though, I've been like, oh, this is what Univibe was always supposed to sound like. Mm. Yeah, I tried with the Unicorn, and I could just never really get it right. Also a good pedal. Once again, good pedal that's just not my vibe. Oh, pun intended. Oh, you did it. Yeah, I did it. Uh, Anyway, so speaking of did it, Maris did it. Maris killed it. They did it. They absolutely did it. Um, I'm not a reverb person, and this thing speaks to me. This is breaking the internet, dude. I'm not going to lie. So I have a zero balance on my Sweetwater card, and I almost changed that when this released. We came real close. I can... Oh, I just realized 
All right, I got to look up sizes on this thing versus the Specular Tempest, because I might oh. sell my Specular Tempest and get one of these. Oh, yeah. This is definitely bigger by about 30%. It's about the same size, I think. I, I was I was double-checking this, because... Okay, so let's, let's get through what it is first, and yeah. then we'll get through all the other stuff. So Maris has released the Mercury X modular reverb system. So if you remember, there there already was the what was it? The Mercury. It was it just called Mercury. Yeah, the Maris Mercury, which is arguably one of the best sounding reverbs out there. Yep. Albeit a little limited, and the UI is a little clunky. Mercury Seven. I'm sorry. Mercury Seven. That's what. Yeah. Yeah. There it is. So the Mercury X takes the LVX platform that came out with their delay with all the modularity that you can add to it. Mm -hmm. And when we say modularity, it means there's different DSP factors that you can kind of sub in, sub out. So you can add modulation, you can add all, you know, super, super tweakable algorithms. Yep. This takes that platform and makes it for a reverb as well as adds a bunch of new algorithms to the system. Cause it was, they, it, there were some stupid names that they had, like the Cathedra, I think was one, which was the Cathedral, Cathedral Hall. And there was a Ultra Plate were the ones that were there before um and so there's at there's six others now um but doesn't it also include the ones they designed for the cxm and the chase yes. bliss mm -hmm. yes it's now in there. don't get me wrong it comes in cheaper than the chase bliss but it's getting close yeah at 600 this is not a cheap pedal no this is but, this is you better mean it but i really 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 think and this is not me being hyperbole or anything here you finally have something that might unseat the Strymon Big Sky as the Halo reverb. That's what I think this is. I, I I don't think the CXM was ever meant to be the thing that unseats the the Big Sky. I think the CXM was always supposed to be, hey, let me show you how good the quality of a digital reverb can be. And like, especially like taking rack mount gear and putting it in your yeah. form factor and all that. Yeah, so they they I think they killed it in that regard, and while it's still more expensive, hello sliders. Um, mm -hmm. uh, this puts it into uh, honestly the LVX I thought was really intimidating until I watched a bunch of people use it. And I was like, oh no, this kind of kind of makes sense, right? It was it was really cool. I will say the person I knew and I heard a lot of LVX usage from didn't understand the concept of simplicity. Oh yeah, that tracks and it. And I think that is the thing that you're going to see from a lot of these people is you're going to see a ton of people playing with this and doing way too much. Yep. It's going to get muddy. It's going to get too complex, but it can get there for that weird, cool bedroom experimentation uh, or for synth use or like you're writing a song and here's an idea. Guitar players probably need to stick to the presets and stay really simple with some of the stuff, but mm -hmm. there, there's some cool options in there. Yeah. Uh, Particularly, I'm looking forward to seeing what kind of interesting thing people do with Shimmer, for example, where they make Shimmer actually sound unique and different again, because you, now you can put a tremolo circuit in there. You can do some things to kind of give it a little more movement so it's not like ice picks anymore. Um, so there's really, really, really cool things that you can do in there, um, including pre-delay and all those kind of things. So you get really... I, I would say just watch some demos of someone really deep diving in this thing. They'll simplify what it does, and then they'll make it really complex for you. Yeah. So, and uh, all the all the natural things, stereo in and out. You've got um, MIDI, MIDI control, USB C. 
I'm imagine. Actually, here's a fun question. What's the power requirements on this? Um, I had that pulled up, so I could have told you a minute ago, but now I don't have it pulled up. It can do up to 2.5 seconds of stereo pre-delay. It's, it's 9 volt, 300 MA. So it's not even that power hungry compared it's to everything. It's not that power hungry. Well, it's an ARM processor, which you're going to see more and more of. I, so, I mean, that's the... People are writing algorithms now instead of using like Shark and Spin Chips. So you're actually starting to see that next generation stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and what's also fun is ARM probably means plugins are coming. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm really interested to play synth through it because yeah. the, the, the reverbs on my Moog and my Korg are good. They're not anything to really write home about. So I don't know. Yeah, mm, that's a, it's it's really 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 tempting. Um, the LVX has been really tempting for me for the last few months too, but I haven't done it yet. Um, it's a lot of pedal. It's a whole lot of pedal. It's a whole lot of pedal. Also, though, surprisingly, it's smaller than a big sky. Is it smaller than the big sky? Mm -hmm. I've not compared the LVX to the timeline or anything like that. So, yeah. So let me uh, put it this way. Um, a Strymon Big Sky is, sorry, I saw a picture where a guy was holding two of them next to each other. So that's where I say okay. that anecdotally. Oh, I, no, here's how you do this. You go to Pedal Playground. I, I'm on it right now. So it's, it's the, the Big Sky is 6.75, so six and three quarter inches wide. The Mercury right. 7 is actually seven and a quarter inches wide. Uh, and the depth of the big sky is 5.1 inches. You mean the Mercury? Yeah, the Mercury X is slightly wider, uh -huh. but and about not as, not as deep, uh, deep by a significant yeah. amount. Or so, so 5.5.1 inches to four and a half. So there's a good chance you'll be able to pull your big sky and drop this right back down, unless you're doing the Strifecta bridge, right? But it also. They might still fit. I mean, if you've already got a little extra room. Yeah. But what I also thought was, I was curious about was the Volante size. Oh, let's see. I can tell you. Um, but it does seem a little closer to the Volante. Ooh, it's longer than the Volante as well. It's a quarter of an inch longer than the Volante. But it's yeah. basically the same size as the Volante. Yep. Okay. I like that. Which, I, and since it, it has four, four stop switches, switches, they might be a little too close together. They, oh, they, they, no, they are too close together, but, it, but it's, it's a, a lot of it is about hitting two at a time. Mm -hmm. So there's goofy things. There's a tuner in here. Yeah, I saw that. I was like, tuner? Yeah. Really? In your delay pedal? I think it was just an algorithm just to throw in there for fun. Interesting. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, you you want to buy one? I'll buy one. We'll be uh we'll be Mercury Bros. I don't want to pay that much for one, but <laughs> I don't either. Maris will talk if you want to like work out something. Yeah, come on. But yeah, I I really think this is going to be that finally that next generation thing that will knock this the big sky off. This or this might be dare I say gear of the year possibly. Or it could be the thing that finally gets Strymon to redo their line. Yeah, do we think that's going to happen? Because they seem really set on this creating those single pedals uh, out of the algorithms that are already in their big pedals. With one new algorithm in it, right? Yeah, with one but new. 
Okay, so what if that ensemble mode came into the big box and you have full customization and all that other crazy stuff? I mean, that'd be nice. It would be, be cool. super nice. It would be cool. Yeah. Uh, speaking of cool, the S-Drum is back. Is it, though? Is is it cool, that is? I, it's definitely back. I think it's cool that it's coming back. Yeah, I think it's cool. It's, I like seeing Digitech slowly get back on their feet now that they that now that Cortech has them up and going. Yeah, I, it's it's not a thing for me, but I can see why a lot of people love it. Mm-hmm. It's three hundred and fifty dollars. It was pretty expensive back in the day too, but and yeah, there is some there is some inflation going on here. Well, and that's before you add the extra foot switch that you probably are going to need mm. if you're going to use it live. I kind of wonder, did these go out of? Did these go just insane on the, they, dude, what's funny is. Did they? Here's a used one on Reverb huh? for 130 bucks. And then here's one on eBay for 320 bucks. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Steve over at 60 Cycle Home still has one. He's never opened the box. Yeah. Well, and you can still get a singular sound Beat Buddy Mini for 150 bucks. So. Yeah. So it, it's it's it, a little pricey. I don't know. I don't know what the apples to oranges or apples to apples comparison is with the old version. I'm sure this has some new things. I mean, you can get one for parts for fifty bucks on Reverb right now. I, I saw that. <laughs> yeah, these are these are not commanding a high, you know, aftermarket. These went out of production values yet. So I don't totally know who this is for, but. I'm, yeah. I am glad to see Digitech slowly getting their feet back under them. So Yeah, if that's what this is, I'm here for it, but yeah. it's not for me. I would say the same thing about our next pedal, which is the Hourglass from Jackson Audio. Dual independent circuits inspired by the legendary Ross compressor. Mm-hmm. So a dual stack compressor. I don't think it... Has anyone done that with a Ross style? That's what I was just trying to think. Who stacks Ross compressors? I don't like, know. Or is this just a fun play off of everyone stacking 1176s? I mean, maybe. I'm sure it... I'm Look, Brad has already proved over at Jackson Audio, he has proven that he can do pedals, that he can make good pedals. I've played some of the stuff he's been putting out. They're really, really good. Um, I just... The compressor game is really hard for me because I either want, like, super, like affordable and approachable things like the Dynacomp. I still think the Dynacomp is great. If you want a fancier Dynacomp, uh, buy the uh, Keeley 2-knob. And you can go get those used for dirt cheap. What's the what's the lowest one on Reverb right now? Keeley 2-knob? Uh, Probably hovering one? around 100 bucks. $74. Wow. $74. I'm still surprised he never really raised the price on that thing. He said he would. Yeah, he did. Um, here's one for $90. Let me price, let me fix this low to high. Here's one for $70, $69. That 74, by the way, mm-hmm. is with free shipping. Yeah. Do you think, so Ross compressors are usually a two knob, right? And so this yes, has a blend correct. control, which is actually fairly unique. Um, and then adjustable attack and, uh, treble that is actually on a dip switch or You're right. it's not really a dip switch it's a it's a mini toggle that just doesn't really fall out very far from it so it's not going full i don't think this is going full jackson audio where they have the midi control and all that kind of stuff it's just staying strictly analog 
Yeah. Uh, it can be run at 18 volts as well. Uh, not that high of a power draw. It's pretty cool. Uh, but 300 bucks for a dual Ross compressor. Okay, I take it back. There was a $74 two-knob Keeley on reverb. Is it now in your possession? Uh, well, it's now definitely paid for and headed my way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> Seventy four dollars, y'all. That's that's the two knob though, not the compressor yeah. plus or whatever. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, because the four knob is not like an enhanced uh, Ross compressor. It's a completely different circuit. Yeah, everybody thinks it's just an enhanced version of the Ross. Total, totally different compressor. So if you want like the compressed sound, like as an effect, mm-hmm. you want the Ross or the MXR. Um, that's why stacking two of them feels wrong. It's not like the transparent compressor in 1176 that just sort of changes the attack and the release on, on you know, as you put two together. Instead, you're getting affected, affected. I, like, I don't know what he's done to change that. I realize he's got a blend control, which is not normally something you get on a Ross. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't get it. I, I don't, I don't understand this much compressor. When there's so many amazing compressors out there, you know, insert three knob overdrives right in there, that argument. But I mean, actually, I'm just to be blunt, um, Jackson already makes a fantastic compressor. Oh, that's true. They do. The bloom. They already have the bloom. Yeah. I don't know. It just feels like I don't see who this is for. Like you, I've never heard of anyone running a Ross into a Ross kind Mm -hmm. of thing. I didn't know that was a sound. I believe the the bloom actually. I believe the Bloom actually has a stacked mode and it's different modes. I could be wrong about yeah, that. I don't know. If I remember right, because you know how they had like the different versions of compressors inside of it huh? and you had the different color LEDs for each of them and I'm not, it says keep reading below and then doesn't say anything below. Um, which Brad, update your website. Get that, get that fixed, <laughs> please. Thank you. Yeah. Well, it, it's probably going to sound great. I'm sure some people will buy it. It's, uh, you know, $300, which is cheaper than the stacked 1176 and from Origin. It's, it's cheaper than the Bloom, which has MIDI at $330 from oh. Jackson. Wait, wait, 330 330 is what the Bloom is. Oh, that's more expensive. This is 300 Yes. Yeah, so. We agree. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. I don't get it. I would say I would actually say the uh, the Bloom is a more uh, feature rich product, though. So, it, yeah, the, I I actually think that kind of undercuts the whole thing. If this was a two hundred twenty dollar pedal, we'd probably feel a little different. Oh at, yeah, at three hundred, it's at, just a harder sell. Yeah, I agree. If you pulled this off at like two twenty five, two fifty, that range. Yeah, especially because he has pedals that are in the. The, yeah. He has his like not mini mini pedals, mm-hmm. which are like the the basic versions of stuff. So like he uh, does the Golden yeah. Boy, where it doesn't have all the fancy things in it. It's just straight up the overdrive circuit. Oh it's yeah, in yeah, a smaller yeah. enclosure. He has a few others. I'm trying to remember the other ones he has, but yeah, I can't even remember them. He's got that one fuzz that you can change the circuit out in it. Yeah, uh, that's the uh, Matteo Sassato thing, right? I don't know where like they changed the name of it after it got released because uh they the, ran the into gu- some issues that's the guapo um because they well, definitely well it, it was the el guapo and now it's called the asabi 
That's it, the Asabi. Um, yeah. That's not that one, though. Uh, it's the... Uh, I'm going to find it. It's their Jackson Audio Fuzz, just called the Fuzz, Modular Fuzz Pedal. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, yeah. so, like, they have the Golden Boy sitting at... Uh, the, the Golden Boy Mini sitting at $180. Oh, wow. So, I didn't realize it was that cheap. Yeah, versus the Golden Boy Big Boy version is only 225 So, they have that $200 range. I remember when everyone was buying prisms? Yeah. Man, those things got hot for a minute there, especially in the P-Dub world. But um he's also got that modular fuzz I was just talking about mm-hmm. is 279. Yeah. But then he also has like the Bell Star, the Amp Mode, the Blossom, like he has cheaper versions of pedals. So like mm-hmm. I think that 220-ish range could have really hit it. I agree. But it just didn't. I don't know. I, it's it it's a head scratcher for me. Uh, not really something I'm looking for or into. Yeah. But I, like I said, I'm sure it'll sound great and he'll sell some. There's got to be a reason. There's got to be a reason. Yeah. We'll find that out later. All right. I'd like to find out a little bit more about these other pedals because you've insisted we leave these on here. Yeah. I want to cut this. So talk to me about these new Ashdown options. Okay, so let's talk about Ashdown for a second. Um, I I think Ashdown makes great products, and I think they get maligned for some reason. Uh, so this one is re- really a Pro DI. I'm looking at the Pro DI specifically. There's the also the uh, what do they call the other one? Uh, triple shot. Triple shot. Thank you. I could not find the word. The I, I love a great bass DI. I think Ashdown knows bass better than a lot of companies do. Um, I'm sure it's going to be great, but I really wanted to keep these because I wanted to go on record for saying Ashdown. I get it. The dial, the VU meter. I get it. It's a thing. Drop it. Like seriously, every product you make does not need a VU meter. Thank I don't, you. I don't hate it. I I don't. I I think it's I just mean, overdone. I don't think that I, it's needed love, in this product. I love Ed Shoes crazy things that he does yeah, with VU meters. His so. are so bespoke, you know? Yeah. Uh, this is like, I don't know. I feel like I think I every time I see these, this specifically, these VU meters, I think to those really cheap art preamp, or preamps or D, the tube DIs that weren't really mm-hmm. tube DIs, it was just an LED behind the tube. I I think it makes them look like less quality than they are mm-hmm. and also if it inevitably is just like a dead unworking thing yeah but there is just something about i mean they if you go to hashdown's website they're speak they're they have monitor speakers with a view view meter in it they have yeah. a they have a coffee mug with the ashdown it's view their meter thing on. it's this their is thing. their thing and i get it but seriously i get it <laughs> let's let's no but other than that i uh i did listen to some videos on these when they came out because uh joe branton over at the guitar nerds works he does mm-hmm. all of some advertising for uh ashdown and so i wanted to check them out i'm not as into the 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 triple the oh my god there's shot. actually there's actually four of them are there four? in this range yeah i was i thought i'm only seeing two well, so I think two of them are for uh, bass, and then two of them are for guitar. 
Okay. But the series clearly has four. So if you're on, if you go to ashdownmusic.com, so you'll see the Pro DI, which is as of today of recording in American prices on Ashdown's website is $311. Oh, that's better than what's listed here. Yeah. Um, The Ashdown triple shot is $207. Oh, dude, that's a a really good price. Yeah, it's not bad. Um, Then there's the Geezer Butler Pedal of Doom. Which is $499. Yeah, that wasn't part of the release for this one. Yeah, though. and then the John Myung double drive pedal gets up to $599. Ooh, ooh, what's different about these? Why are these more affordable? I think these are just not in signature. Well, neither of these are signature pedals. That's true. Maybe. I don't know. And also, there might just be, there might be tubes. There might be other kind of random stuff in this. I will That's say true. also at $311. You're in the microtubes era area. What else is kind of competing with this? Uh, is that Ampeg one? Uh, oh, what is it? Um, SGT DI. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, but the this SDR is DI is two eighty, so it's getting that's close to that territory. Yeah, this is how many one two three four five six seven eight nine ten different knobs is a lot of knobs it's It's a a whole lot of it's 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 an amp on a pedal Mm -hmm. kind of vibe yep uh valve emulated overdrive so So it's not doing yeah uh proper transformer isolation di I I think it's a great I think it's going to be a great product. Uh, it is higher end, I think, but I think it warrants it. I think they make I I played a um uh, Ashdown CTM thirty recently, mm-hmm. and I was blown away by how great it sounded. So I think people sleep on Ashdown, especially in the U.S., and they really shouldn't. Uh, their distribution's a little rough. Yeah, and yeah, they don't. No, so they I'm don't right. actually do direct sales uh, from Ashdown. You have to go through a distributor. Okay. So um, there you go. Yeah, check it out. Check it out. Um, also, things that you might want to check out. Uh, Schechter has essentially brought back the blacktop baritone. 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 Where, where did I go with that <laughs> one? The blacktop baritone Telecaster, which has which Fender discontinued in 2015 ish and have definitely uh, shot up on the used market yeah no they've they've definitely jumped way up on the used market and i like the fact that Schechter brought this in at the price point they did at 999 very it's reasonable really price point. great price point they also used my favorite Schechter headstock on this and logo um i think it looks real slick block block inlays binding um it's like it's like a bluish matte black kind of a yep. color for most of it. Black pickguard, uh, matching headstock. The only the only thing I don't like is I don't like the control layout of volume three way switch tone. Yeah, I don't I don't know how you don't knock your pickup switch then. Yeah, I because if you're doing the thing to get the strat volume position, mm-hmm. I feel like I'd just be constantly knocking it. Yep, we're gonna one hundred percent. I I don't like that, but other than that, I think it's a killer looking instrument. And unfortunately, it's not on a plate. Right, you can't just flip it around. It's yeah. in the body, like Jackson style. 
I, they, you know, they didn't consult us in the design process, and this is what you get. Uh, it's also it is a five way switch. Oh, so it does some splitting and something mm-hmm. else because uh, it's just a dual humbucker. I don't think we mm-hmm. said that out loud. Yeah, uh, whereas the the baritone Strat was actually a HSS loadout, mm-hmm. which is also crazy looking. So, yep, I think it, that's rad. I'm not going to buy one, but I think it's cool that they're there. It's a great baritone option. I think it's it's fun for somebody like Schechter stepping into the void mm-hmm. for one of those kind of one of those kind of spots, and I think this should sell pretty well. Because so it's an affordable a weird company. Schechter weirds me out. Like, I thought I knew who Schechter was, right? Oh, Schechter um, is a bipolar company. Right. Uh, I thought, oh, you know, they're the shredder guitars. They're the seven and eight strings and or the uh, the, the butt rock of the 2000s. Yes. Um, which, don't get me wrong. They are those things. Oh, but that in spades. Yeah. Yeah, but they're also this uh sort of shred guitar thing i had the sun valley shredder super shredder for a little while um and they do that really well they also i'm trying to find the model because i want to reference it very specifically they do this retro thing that's like very like 60s uh uh you know catalog guitar style and i'm trying Mm. to find the model of it i saw one on a uh the on a rack at um, Guitar Gallery in Tuscaloosa. Well, because they and also they also have their fen- their F style stuff. Yeah, exactly. They're purely F style stuff. Like it's it's straight up. They're no, uh, I forgot what his name is. Um, there was a signature model that was essentially a, a Strat. It was super affordable. Nick, uh, I'm not gonna remember this. I'm going to Google it. Um, oh, well, while you're oh. while you're looking at that, they also I'm on their website now because I'm really curious because I really need to find this model. Just to, they Nick do Johnston, the Hellcat Six, and it is sunburst with a torque guard. So, just throwing it out there, they do everything. Well, so remember Schecter's history. Schecter was the first part, one of the first parts companies for fenders. Okay. Yeah, that that makes it. That's track. that's what they did first, and so there are people like Pete Townsend and things like that that were p- folks that mm-hmm. were running around with Schecter necks on their guitars. I don't think I actually knew that that was how they started, though. Yeah, that's and so the the Schecter guitars, where they're made overseas and things like that, is much more of like a late '90s, early 2000s. Like the the heyday of new metal is when I. Schecter really kind of had their come up yes because they were doing these they were one of the first ones that were going okay we're gonna build out of the korean factories but with all the parts that people are modifying epiphones with and we're gonna just take over because they they were just the affordable guitar for a little while there and then you oh, saw yeah. then you saw parade smith's se's come out and get better you saw you know you saw a competition start filling back in that mm-hmm. space. And I feel like Schecter lost some ground. Yep. But there was a hot moment where a bunch of the new metal acts were running around with Schecter's. Well, I remember it. That's, what? that's sort of what I meant by butt rock, but, um, that, yeah. So I sort of associated them with that, but then I'm seeing they did a guitar with Robert Smith from the cure. Yeah. That's really unique looking. 
uh, I don't and, know. And now they're building guitars out of the U.S. too, so they have like thirty-five hundred dollar guitars that are like nitro finished strats. Mm-hmm. And I found it. The Ultra Three. The Ultra Three is this like weird, like offsetty looking thing, but has the raised center like a Firebird, and a oh, control plate like a Mustang. Yep. It's like that thing. And it's is got wild. a ger- it's got a German carve around the edge of it too. Mm-hmm. This is it's, like if okay if I okay if I didn't see the Schecter headstock on it, uh huh, because it does still have that ugly Schecter headstock yeah, on it. It does. I would have sworn this was like a um, Eastwood. Yeah, exactly, and that's what I thought it was on the wall when I saw it. I was like, oh, it's an Eastwood. Wait, does that say Schecter? Mm-hmm. And this guitar, I realize this is not even the guitar we were supposed to be talking about. This is an eleven hundred and fifty dollar guitar. It's a great instrument. Yeah, I mean, it's sitting just under that, um, like, Revolta yeah. price point. Yeah, I this, uh, this I could see on a rack next to a Revolta, yep. 100%. Yeah, and then some Reverends near it and some mm-hmm. Eastwoods. Like, that, that, I'd just hang all that together. Yep, absolutely. Quirky little part of the store. All right, let's keep moving here. Because yep, um, guitars are supposed to be moving pretty quickly. Yeah, it's um, supposed to be. The other one of note is the Fender Highway series. Once again, recycling names. Yeah, it, so I I still think, I thought of the Highway 1 right away, right? Uh-huh. Yep. Um, these are not electric guitars. These well, are acoustic guitars. Yeah. Thin body acoustic guitars. Basically, this is an Acoustasonic that's shaped like an acoustic guitar. Yeah, it's, it's what I... I this makes sense. I need to say all of this. These make sense. They've already worked on the acoustic modeling in the Acoustasonics. The, and obviously, they're going after people who want that electric guitar, uh, acoustic guitar sound without the feedback and the issues that obviously are an issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking immediately back to the Gibson Chet Atkins, the, the, acoustic, you know, the acoustic electric ones. Um, that have no no f hole at all, or maybe they had a small window. They made a Epiphone model as well. Mm-hmm. And and y'all, I know what I'm, it's not the Tennessee, and it's not those. It's the acoustic electric one, and it's they made a nylon string version too. So it's it's not like these are even all that new. They just I still haven't warmed up to the acoustic sonic bodies anyway, and now this just looks like a toy guitar does kind of look like a toy guitar so it's yeah. only two and a quarter inches thick so it's still that super thin kind mm-hmm. of thing it's doing that like it, it feels like it's, it's it's like a bowl routed back and sides together with a top uh-huh. applied to it so it uh i don't know if any of these particularly look like pancakes the way uh the original teller telly did but it has a two-tone kind of thing I don't know. There's one that really looks even more like a pancake than, yeah. Because you can see it around the, the entire edge of it. Yeah. <laughs> I I don't know. Uh, some other interesting things here. Just so, um, these are knobs on the surface still. Mm-hmm. Aesthetically, that's kind of just not working with me. Yeah, I hate it. I hate it. The, I think that's a, part of my issue. A six in line headstock still looks funny on an acoustic guitar. It just. I don't hate that as much. Okay. I, that doesn't bother me as much. I kind of, I kind of dig it, 
but it's i sort of dig those like late 60s early 70s gibson i mean fender acoustics mm-hmm. that had the strat headstock on them there are some interesting little details on this thing so the battery pack is located on the back yep. uh, so it still has a nine volt requirement they do a binding line between the top and the sides that actually when you zoom in on it, it looks actually really really good it does look nice um, um i'll tell you the part that's weird not a single model with a cutaway that is interesting yeah they have four different models or colors but there's not they have they have two that are parlors which have a shorter scale length and they've got two with longer scale lengths not a single one has a cutaway are the parlors a shorter scale yeah um okay. I, I found the numbers here a second ago um oh it's a 24 and three quarter yep versus so, so a 25 a, and a half so it's not a it's not really a true short scale guitar is it no yeah it's not a short scale it's just shorter gibson versus fender basically yeah. whereas the dreadnought shape is the 25 and a half yeah right so yeah the my real issue is you built this guitar that can be played you know more effectively for an acoustic sound in an electric scenario and you didn't put a cutaway on any of them yeah it just I, feels like that's a real miss yeah no i i've seen a ton of people with acoustasonics they've been super popular and like who was it? maybe I, that's maybe I, that's why they didn't they're like if you want that you can get the acoustasonic maybe and that could be the whole lead guitar player thing because you might if you also would then want the electric pickup to go hop to it yeah because this doesn't have that this is just an acoustic pickup and it's a fishman yeah. um i saw switchfoot uh-huh and the lead guitar player was actually playing an acoustasonic for a good part of the set because really? he was hopping between lead guitar parts and acoustic parts mm. often because they also switchfoot has three guitar players at some points right the keys player yeah, right. will hop on guitar and then john foreman plays guitar too so you know i don't know i it's that i tried to like the acoustasonics i didn't it, it's something about the switching to electric but still playing acoustic strings that really threw me off mm, yeah i can um, see that yeah it really really messed with my head um but the uh, here's the other part that actually could be sweet about this mm-hmm. this could be awesome to tour with I about to say it takes up a lot less space than a full size acoustic. At two and a half inches thick, you're putting or, in a gig bag. You can put it in a gig bag, and it will fit in your coffin case and all those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think these will do well. I think you'll see a lot of people playing them. I probably won't be because I I don't know. I'm an old man. It's fine. Um. I, I think a lot of people will play them because you did. I've seen a lot of the Acoustasonics mm-hmm. out there, and that really surprises me. You know what's also interesting is uh, they took a little bit of a hint from Taylor. Oh, really? So there is a magnetic pickup in the guitar right at where the neck and the sound hole meets. Oh. Which is right about the same spot where Taylor has their magnetic pickup. You just don't ever know it because it's in the neck. Well, the guy who designed the T5, doesn't he work for Fender now? Well, he did until he got let go. Oh, that's right. Then, <laughs> like maybe this was still part of his already put in the works. Yeah, yeah. So that tra- that tracks. Entirely. Well, when did Fender have their layoffs? Was that earlier this year, or was that last yeah. year? I, wasn't it earlier this year, or maybe late, late, late last year? Yeah. Then this was this was in the pipe because yeah. it takes a year for Fender to put out a guitar, if not longer. Yeah. So this was already designed. Yeah. 
Okay. So that might be the last remnant of, you know, his legacy. We'll see. Yeah. That guy whose name I can't remember right now. Yep. Moving on, though, speaking of legacies. Yeah. Tosin Abasi's uh, music band collaboration, the Kaizen, has a few new special finishes. If you've been holding out, including a Slimer green and a hot, hot pink and some sparkle stuff. I'm not going to lie. That honeysuckle suddenly made this an appealing guitar for me. (laughs) (laughs) Who knew? Just make it in Sunburst and Philip likes it. I was going to say the radium might also appeal to some people who really love silver bursts. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know. Is the, the hot, hot pink Slimer green eighties era. Is that still in vogue or is that passed again? I think John Mayer killed it. I think Saab Rock ended it for everybody. He put the 80s to death. Yeah, he did. Um, thank thank you, John Mayer, for your average yeah. album that did that. <laughs> so, I said uh, it. Continuum still yeah, his best work. You, and look, I, as a John Mayer fan, <laughs> that album's not good, y'all. It's well, just, it's you, fine. Well, you know how like, satisfying it was to have John Mayer come out on Andy Cohen's show and say, you know, Paradise Valley wasn't really that great of an album. Yes. I, <laughs> I was like, thank Paradise, you. I still think Paradise Valley is better than Saab Rock. Mm, there's, I, good, there's good stuff in both directions. Okay. Um, but yeah, so, but yeah, put it in Sunburst and suddenly I like it. Well, speaking of putting it in Sunburst and maybe you'll like it, PRS has come out with uh, a, their Quilted oh, oh, wait, Maple wait, wait. Custom 24. Wait, you're going to transition before you tell all these good listeners how much these new models cost? I, I mean, are they more than what they used to cost, which was like uh, insane? So the new model is $37.99. Yeah, it's a music uh, man. Unless you want the honeysuckle, then it's $38.99. Cause screw you, Philip. <laughs> it's all a conspiracy against me. It's like it's like how with the bossy concepts wasn't like everyone was like, oh, I'm not into it. I'm not into it. And then he did his like butterscotch telly version and we we're all like <laughs> crap i want one that's exactly what happened and strandberg did the same thing you know oh. uh, it's like oh dumb speaking of dumb new prs guitar i'm just kidding these are not dumb <laughs> so you've got uh the quilted maple custom 24 is coming back so you've got a maple fretboard and a very unique uh uh what am i ca- talking about uh top what's the term i'm looking for oh it's a swamp ash body yeah they haven't made a swamp ash guitar in a while that's because nobody could get it yeah it was dying thanks to some beetles and um so this is the first se line that has a swamp ash body um which is interesting because i don't seem to recall that issue being cleared up well so here's the thing. Swamp Ash is probably a vague term. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so while Fender can't get their American Swamp Ash that they were trying to get, Indonesia probably has a source of some type of ash that still allows it. It gives them that look. Yeah. In fact, uh, Swamp Ash doesn't even refer to a specific species. Yeah. It's just, yeah. It's like Karina. Where can you oh, find Karina yeah. trees? Or uh, <laughs> what was the other one? That, I mean, remember when, oh my gosh, we're running out of rosewood. We can't make guitars out of them anymore. 
Oh yeah, yeah. Well, that that was never. Yeah, it was. It was no, no. It was a bigger organization said, "Hey, we're running out of rosewood. You can't use them anymore. Yeah. Not we can't." It wasn't a decision they made. But then they realized, "Oh, wait, 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 wait. Guitars use how much rosewood?" Yeah, no, this problem is 95% furniture makers. Y'all are good. Y'all do your thing. And, and then suddenly rose with neck guitars were all over the place. But yep. yeah, um, and I would also say part of that also has to do with the fact that a lot of guitar builders now own the wood market. Mm-hmm. Bob Taylor. Yep. Well, what well, Bob Taylor went after wood nobody wanted. That's yeah. how he built his name. He, you know, he found the great sources of tone wood that nobody wanted. The whole streaked ebony thing. Yep. Uh, Which I actually, I actually like streaked ebony more than I, I like regular. I like both. I, but I think both have their place depending on the, the guitar or the, the instrument. But um, I, I really, really like streaked ebony. So, yeah. So I think these look rad. I, I What are they? I, I got the prices here somewhere. I, so I, uh, I think they're about eight, nine hundred bucks, right? Yeah, I, there were three different models, uh, $699, $849, and $999. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's fine. I think, I'm glad they exist. The the SECE24 is $699. The SE Swamp Ash Special is $699. Uh, it is really hard to say Swamp Ash because the alternative is a thing. And $9.99 for the SE Custom 24 Quilted. Honestly, I think these are sick. I I think they look great. And um, also a CE24 SE. Yeah, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. I know a lot of people really, really like those. I'll be honest, I really like the Swamp Ash Special. I think it looks great. Um, But if I'm going to get a PRS, I know what I'm getting. So... Yeah, this is a change of pace guitar for you now. Not not the the like if you're getting a PRS, you're getting the yeah, PRS yeah. for you. Yeah. Um All right, one last of the refins or new finishes. Fender has the new Waste Bucket Sparkle. That is exclusive through Chicago Music Exchange through for custom shop builds. It is the most glitter I've ever seen on a guitar. Like Yes. Takes bowling ball to a new level. Uh on kind of a gray silver gray kind of a thing it really does look like a paint bucket this is literally fender selling you their glitter they can't use for anything else (laughs) that's what this is it's literally called the whatever bucket waste bucket waste bucket it's the spillage from spraying all their other sparkle finishes that they can't use because it's all mixed in so they used it to do this and then they want to charge you wait a minute listeners hold on hold on to your horses for a telecaster five thousand nine hundred and sixty dollars it's a custom shop tally though it it is a custom shop it is a custom shop instrument so understand there's a premium for that how much and it's relict yeah how much is a custom shop telecast these aren't relic are they yeah they're journeyman relics so there's just slight like checking is the finish is checking it's a break-in process yeah so six thousand dollars for a strat and seven thousand dollars for a jazz master No. Were you looking at what a regular custom shop is? Yep. Yeah, because I was wondering. 
I mean, I'm seeing five and a half grand for which model? custom shop strat. Okay. Custom so, shop 61 strat heavy relic. Okay. Um, so is that, and that's the new price for it? Yeah. A, a 63 relic aged is 49. Okay. So it's not that much it, of a premium on top of. Well, they're marking it up for between the two prices, seven hundred to eleven hundred dollars for a sparkle finish. Sparkle finish, uh, custom pickups, something else. There's some a few other limited run. Yada yada. That's yada, what you're yada. paying for right there. Painted limited headstock. run is what you're paying for. Yeah. Also, the Jazzmaster has a matching headstock. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I'm a sucker for that. If this were a blue sparkle, we might be talking. No, we're not. We w- I would never be talking about a $7,000 Jazzmaster. Also, maple fretboards just don't do it for me. So Same, same. All right, uh, so where are Oops. we now? I just did oh. something. What did you do? I hit paste accidentally. Um, oh. Positive Grid has now added a 140-watt extension cab for the um, Spark. Okay. It's an thought- FRFR cab that does look like a guitar cab. Yeah. So plus is there. Um, and it's... Do we see the price on it? Uh, yeah, it is um, two sixty nine. It's not bad. People were buying head rushes for like three hundred something. That's true. That is very true. Um, I don't know. I just don't get excited about the Spark stuff. Uh, it's got a USB C and DC out, so you can actually power the Spark, a tablet, or your phone off of the off off the powered cab. That's a bonus. I think this is a legitimate thing if someone's looking for an FRFR cab that looks like a guitar amp. Yeah. Absolutely. Or, you know what it could be? It could be kind of a cool, if you wanted to do something goofy with it instead, buy two of them and treat it like an amp stack in your living room, but it's your stereo system. Uh, that could be fun. Yeah. just It's just it's just fun. And which is what this is. They, I, I can't take positive grid seriously. Yeah. Also, 140 watt class DFRFR might not be that loud. No, it's not going to be very loud. So... But it's fine. I think it's kind of cool. It could be fun. You could do something goofy with it. Wire a whole bunch of them. Actually, buy a bunch of them and run them as your surround sound for your home stereo. I don't, you know, do something really goofy. Yeah, fair enough. Speaking of doing things goofy, uh, Digit Music uh, has announced that they're making uh, a new MIDI controller that is in a joystick format, allowing you to do, of course, all sorts of weird new things that that will that will allow us to, through MIDI controls and things like that. However, also it allows accessibility, so people with control issues with their hands, let not anyone with a disability, will actually have an easier time creating music and ha- controlling music using something like this versus other types of control wheels or things like that that are a little more tactile and a little more nimble. This will allow some more gross movement and could open up some opportunities for people that might not have the opportunity in music. Yeah, no, I think it's great that it exists. Uh, it's like I would really need to dive in and understand all about what the joystick could do. Like, because me and MIDI have a very um, passing relationship. Uh, so I, I, I think it could be really meaning cool. you pass on it. 
No, meaning that, you know, every now and again we hang out and, and chat, but uh, we're not really good friends. Um, I, um, I'd like to see what it could do for other pedals, like guitar pedals. Oh, yeah. Think about how often I we, we idiots just buy guitar pedals because they have a joystick on them. Yeah. And we're obsessed with it. And uh, <laughs> now every pedal that has MIDI in could have a joystick. Yeah. And so when you really think about what a joystick can do, you can have an X, Y control and or X dimension and a Y dimension. So it's two mm -hmm. potentiometers. So you can you move one parameter while you're moving the other. For example, um, the joystick itself is actually called the composer uh, with no vowels. So C-M-P-S-R. Um, oh. I'm not seeing... Uh, a price tag right away on it. Two hundred and ninety nine pounds. Not the cheapest thing in the world. No, it is not. Um. Also, arguably, you could probably get a chaos pad. Of some and do sort. a lot. Do a lot of that. Do, do any X Y kind of stuff already with that. But That's again, true. similar kind of thing. Um. But this thing does samples. It does all sorts of different things. So it's a it's a cool. It's just a cool toy. I'm really curious by it. Works wirelessly. Well, that's or via a, USB. Yeah, because it's battery powered. So it'd be cool to like throw this on a guitar near the strap and just mirror do spaceship noises on delay pedal with it or something like that. I was thinking you could bring in and out the decay and the tone on a reverb on an XY. There you go. I think that could be really, really rad. So, tons of options. I really look forward to seeing what people do with it. Yep. Agreed. Uh, I won't be one of those. Okay. Speaking of people I will not be one of, uh, Joe Bonamassa's <laughs> uh, 51 Fender Nocaster pickups have been released by Seymour Duncan. Um, I didn't see a number on it. It's 350 not crazy for a set of pickups it's a neck humbucker and a bridge telly for a no caster it's a it's a lot of money for pickups they're gonna i mean age, I they're gonna age the first 250 with so, a so cue thing. the cue the people waiting to find out when they're making 251 to order them mm -hmm. um they are being made by maricela juarez the um the famous winder yep, mj custom shop so they're she going a, to be fantastic you just like ever we're just all so sick of joe bonamassa gear that we're just like Rrr. that's it i i don't even dislike joe bonamassa i'm his music's fine whatever it's not my not my thing um for those of you that thought just because i play blues i'd be into joe bonamassa mm -hmm. i got a lot of a lot of news for you but it but he the man knows gear mm-hmm if he knows nothing else, he knows gear and tone and the minutia of all the things. He has forgotten more than I will ever know about vintage gear. Yeah. And so they're going to be great. But it's also one of those ones where it's like, it's like him slash and frankly, Kirk Hammett now. There's all yep. these... Like, oh, well, here's another guitar from my collection. Let's make a signature model off of it. Remember the Gene Simmons days? Yeah. Now, having said that, if you didn't get a chance to buy his $8,500 signature model in 2021, it's the same <laughs> pickups. Oh, yeah. 
that guitar. I I just I, I I don't know. I can't fathom spending that much, but some people do. Some people do. Some now people also, do. A, you know, telly with a PAF in the neck is a sound. People love it. It is. That's the whole Jeff early Jeff Beck thing. And getting ones that match well together is hard. It, yeah. So I, I used to be a member over at the Seymour Duncan forums and there were a lot of people trying to figure out the balance. And like, I remember, man, I over an, there. I had an ASAP blues boy and like both pickups sounded great, but they never sounded great together. Yeah. Like they'll be, they'll be like, Oh, well, what you got to do is you got to take the pickup out. You got to unsolder the, the cover. Then you got to pop the magnet out of there and swap it out with an a five and flip the polarity on it and then put it back together and it's perfect it's like man those people get nerdy about their pickups and And it probably doesn't actually sound better it's just because they did something to it they think it's better it sounds different Mm -hmm. like i i really think i I come down to that with a lot of pickups now i'm talking about once you reach a certain quality point not even price point but quality point on pickups i i think at some point they don't actually sell better or worse anymore they just sound different and it's so minute and i'm not ever gonna be one of those well the audience can't tell the difference because i am i understand the connection to a sound and that's about the player getting the most out of the instrument to be able to play the music they play so it doesn't matter what the audience we literally don't play music for audiences people who say they do are lying they don't you play music because you like playing um the, the making these sounds and making them with other people and you're doing it for you and if you don't enjoy doing it you don't want to do it so it's not for the audience and there are going to be people who claim like a massive difference in slight pickups but when i changed for example i got my novo um, when i got it in january of 21 i found a set of the amalfitano pickups that they used to put in novos right mm-hmm. and I swapped out the Freelands for the Amalfitanos. Ask me how much difference I heard. Not a damn thing. (laughs) And so I just left the Amalfitanos in there because I didn't want to have to redo the wiring and I sold the Freelands. But some pickups, yes. You change output levels, it starts to make a big, big difference. But there's not a lot that you can't also turn around and change by changing pickup height and a bunch of other stuff. So... They'll sound good. I'm sure they'll sound great together, but I don't get into pickup changes anymore for the most part. Exactly. Well, yeah, I still do, but teach their oh, own. Yeah. Um, one one, one uh, uh, exception would be I need to change the pickups in my Firebird because those are not Firebird pickups. But if you suddenly had an opportunity to get a really effective um i don't know where that bubble just came from with did you just do that no on your video you just got a thought bubble with a thumbs up on it really yeah i don't know where that came from i didn't do that okay that was weird uh <laughs> okay so, so if i i i could the where i call cap on you is uh if you had an op- opportunity to get some ron ellis pafs you'd jump on it i i I could have a chance. That's the thing. I could buy them. Well, you could I, buy them, but like if there was like a screaming deal, you'd be all over it, right? I probably would to see if what all the hype was about, but at the same time, I'm not sure I would pick up on all the hype because I'm not, again, I'm not saying all pickups sound the same. 
they don't and yes you want a little something different but i think at some point the diminishing returns are so tiny that by the time we do all the things with amplifiers and pedals and everything else it it comes out in the wash a little bit and that's also when you're doing those big leaps in cost right exactly those are that's a different thing when you're talking oh i'm going to buy this set of 280 dollars humbuckers because they're going to supposed to sound better than this 300 dollars set of humbuckers and they sound like humbuckers you know my favorite one is the people who pull out pickups from a squire and then mm-hmm. throw like 40 dollars pickups back in it and they're like oh this was a massive update or like or they, they pull out like the stock pickups from like an epiphone les paul and they're like, oh, this is so much better. No, and I'm no like, it's really not. Chances are your setup is better than anything, but oh well. Yeah, I, I won't go way down the rabbit hole because I've been down the pickup rabbit hole before. This is how I got here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, all right, let's wrap up gear with Neural DSP Corner for just a hot second here. Oh, yeah. So we've had two new releases, actually, from Neural DSP. Um, one, first off is a new archetype with Mateus Asato. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of us are like, oh, yeah, yeah, I like Mateus' style. That's cool, cool, another plug-in, yada, yada, yada. I don't think we realize that this is the first Neural DSP plug-in that's basically a Fender, a Vox, and a Marshall in, in the box. Oh, that's interesting. And uh, as of today, I think I read, don't they have a 20% coupon for it? Yeah, they're running deals. Yep, they're running a deal right now. So, um, which actually leads to me to believe that launch sales were not good for it. Mm. Because they have never discounted a new plugin that I can recall. When I bought all of the neural plugins I have on one of their sales, and there's always an exception for whatever the most recent one is. Yeah, I'm again. I'm really surprised this hasn't blown up more than it has because it really is your one-stop shop for a lot of people. Um, two overdrives are in it. You can probably guess what those overdrives are: comp and a mod pedal. Um, it has a standalone tape echo um, simulator, uh, which is kind of one of its key kind of like plug-in kind of things yeah. that's also showing off. But I would just simply go back to those amps great edge of breakup and in gain tones with a marshall a vox and a fender i think i think their problem though is matea sasato so he's an incredible guitar player but the demographic of people that want to get his sound are smaller yeah i think his market it's one of those ones where like all the guitar players know about the guy but they don't necessarily know his music well well he doesn't totally have his own music because he's more known as being hired gun Mm-hmm. Um, and he's real. It really is the YouTube or sorry, the the TikTok, Instagram reel guitar player neo soul thing. Yeah, I remember when it was all hit. It was all Instagram at the time, you know, pre TikTok. But and and I just don't think a lot of people like. I don't think the masses. Um, lean towards his sound as much as they appreciate him as a guitarist yeah i I don't know if his endorsement moves gear the same way uh right a a similarly still under the pop radar guitar player like say a joey landreth moves a pedal or um you know ariel posen's actually kind of avoided doing too many endorsement deals 
right? He's what had a, the pedal, the he's guitar. Had, he's had the broadcast and the mule. Yeah. And I don't know how big of sellers those actually are more than they are just like brand builders. So, um, and he was our, uh, Mateus was already a newer old guy. So, yeah. so he's been in that ecosystem. Um, but like, I don't, I just don't think it has the same pull, but I also wonder how much more of these archetypes we're going to see. I don't know. I, I think I have not been like blown away by the archetypes. I've tried a couple of them. Granted, yeah. I haven't done all of them. Um, but the standalone amps, those are the ones that I, I feel like Neural's killing it on. They're Mesa, they're SLO, they're Tone King. Yep. I have all three of those. They also have a... There's another one over there. I don't remember. Yeah. But... Yeah, well, I, and also they they nice. have they have said the Pliny is going to be the first one that finds its way into the quad cortex and it's in the works, right? And they're saying like end of year right now. So I I could also see some excitement about these things more once these are running on the quad cortex, because I I think, I, I think you'd see I think you might see a surge of people buying them. Like I've avoided buying any of them because I'm like, well, I don't want to just run this on my computer and just my cu- computer. If this ran on the quad cortex, I might be more inclined to start paying. Oh, sure. Well, I, I, um, I bought them because they, they run these crazy deals on them. And so yeah. I'm like, oh, well, for, you know, I wasn't willing to pay, you know, $99 of $159 for the plug-in. Mm-hmm. But, oh, you're running a deal for 49 bucks. Okay, I'll buy that. Yeah, you know? I'll fool around with it. Yeah, exactly. And so that's what they are for me. I've been playing them the last few days, actually. Um and just really, really enjoying the the Tone King again. Um, but uh, I think they all, I think Neural knows what they're doing, even even if, you know, I've, I've gone on record not really being into the Quad Cortex, but I think putting the plugins on the Quad Cortex might be the thing that could win me over. Could be. Because I see, when whenever you jump to a modeler, I really see you jump into a profiling modeler. Yeah. Because you'll want your amps. You'll want the safety blanket of what you've built. Yeah. And also because you have killer amps. So I I do have way too many great amps. And another one still in a cart that yeah. I need to think about at some point. In, in a in a related topic, while we're still talking about the quad cortex, the desktop controller finally came out in an open beta. Oh it, yeah. It is a downloadable app. There's no real uh, anyone can go and download the app and play around with it. Full control, it requires a USB connection to the unit, but after a long last of everyone complaining about it, I, mm-hmm. so when did the Quad Cortex come out? Two years ago? No? There, I don't remember when it launched. I, I think it was, what, it was 2021, I thought. Uh, Might be late 2020, but it, yeah. was, it was either late 2020 or early 2021. I would have to find it. Um, November 27th, 2020. Okay um of course it was hyped a couple of years before that yeah and so whenever like a week after that is when i got mine um so by comparison i i obviously this is the whole like is neural going to live up to the promises and this also foreshadowing Mm -hmm. our topic so they are following up the, the product they are continuing to update this thing and this is a big step because they also said this is going to allow an, allow you to do a computer marketplace for loading things. and it, it took too long, but now that it's here, glad to see it. But did it take too long? 
because the Kemp, how long did the Kemper take before a desktop controller came out? Six that's, years, that's, seven that's years? Fine, but how long did it take line six for a desktop controller to come out? Launch day. Launch day, because they already had that stuff from the previous generation. Right. I mean, but, again, you're comparing a fifth generation product with a first generation product. Yeah. Yeah, but you've got to have seen what other people did and know yeah. that, okay, I've got to come in at a certain feature set to be viable. Okay, then let's just, okay, with that, let's jump to the main topic because I think we can't keep not talking about. So, so let's talk about how Quad Cortex dropped the price or NeuroDSP dropped the price of the Quad Cortex to $16.99, the freaking same moment it, it was two days before but yes it was announced the email came out that morning yeah they actually quietly dropped the price a day or two okay. before that so let me well then they timed the email very very tactfully because i and i think i can talk about this because it was talked about over on guitar nerds um uh you know one of the guitar nerds jay works for uh, Fender, right? Mm -hmm. And um, that morning of the release, Jay messaged Joe Branton and said, finally, Tone Master is released uh, or something to that effect. And yeah. just above it, the very next notification on Joe's phone is Nero DSP announcing the price drop. Yeah. For, it's like it, within moments they announced. Yeah. So I'll, I'll remind people the quad cortex came out. It was $1,600 when it came out. So it, it has gone through a few pricing updates. And I remember part of that they said was because of, uh, buying parts for it. Cause they actually couldn't make quad cortexes cause they couldn't get the processors for them. Yeah. So they actually redesigned the quad cortex with a different processor model. So they actually had to re-engineer the product and then it came out again and they raised the prices to reflect it. And it was also a time of everyone raising prices. And they said they have now worked through all that ex that higher price stock. And so they can lower the price again because they're able to buy products at a cheaper price now. It's pretty baller, though. Not seeing a lot of people dropping the prices now that the prices are coming down for them. Well, seeing and, and not announcing it as a sale. Right. It's not a sale. This is, hey, you know, we can make these cheaper now. Yeah. Here's your savings. Um, Having said that, Sweetwater is bundling stuff with these pretty. Yeah, early. they are. So you're getting yeah, like there. Get there's one bundle where there was like a uh, a hard shell case that you could use with it. There was one bundle where they're including a plugin with it, mm. which is an obvious thing for Neural sure. to value add without really hitting themselves at all. Absolutely, because it's not hardware. It's it's just here's software. We give it away. Um. Okay, so. The Tone Master has come out and yeah. we were speculating about it and we saw leaks and everything like that. I think the biggest surprise for me was actually the price point as well. Yeah. Because the initial leaks had it showing up as way more expensive than it actually came out at. And we were all like, this is dead in the water if it comes out at I, this price. I think I figured out why those leaks were because those leaks were in the UK. And so it was Fender has been selling it's not a it's not a one-to-one -one swap it's not even a you know how sometimes you can say oh well if it's an american company whatever it's selling for in pounds is the mm -hmm. same price it'll sell for no in there's dollars. there's there's an embargo or something or there, there's a yeah. tariff on vendor stuff it's always yeah. more expensive in uk well, weren't they weren't they the target of a class action in the uk for price fixing uh the retailers were yeah yeah so 
uh, that could be some fallout for that. Anyway, that's full speculation. But I think that's why we thought the price was much higher because it was the UK price and therefore it wouldn't translate directly to dollars. Which I went on record saying usually it's it, Fender prices is dollar per pound is a one-to-one, yeah. which would have put it at like $1,800. So that wasn't right. too far off. No, not far. Um, but yeah, so $1,699, you're sitting at the exact same price point as the Quad Cortex and the Line 6. Oh, is that the same price? Has it, the Helix gone up to 1600 I think so. I think the floor, the, the full size. Or 1700 uh, Let's see. It is... Sixteen ninety nine. There you go. They're they're the exact same price. So now you're sitting in this league. You just walked into the ballpark first day on the job, and you're sitting next to you know the veterans on the team and saying, "I should make I should make much, as much as you." I, exactly. That yeah. I should make as much money as you make. Uh, I, look. All that aside, uh, it looks like a decent unit. It looks fine. I but I fully expect there to be more growing pains than usual for this product it's a little anemic yeah because you know uh, i'll put it this way because they say uh, whatever it is 50 amp models in it Mm -hmm. that's really like 20 amps yeah because it's multiple channels of the same amp and so everyone if you if you watched it everyone went okay cool here's your deluxe reverb they really push the evh stuff Yep. And then... But, but then here's some problems. What's lacking? So my, my real issue is, so they came into this game. Yeah. You got a 10-year-old product in the Helix that has seen multiple updates. They're in version 3-something of the software. So they've been constantly bringing in new features, new uh, functions. You've got the Quad Cortex that's now three years in. Mm-hmm. That's Well, you know, it, it, also, just to put it this way, some of the algorithms in the Helix are from mm-hmm. 1999. Oh, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. But they have a ton, <laughs> like, of, they so have a they, ton of new ones. They've been building for 24 years. And they, they exactly. So they've got lots of, you know, they've got some age to them. Fender isn't exactly brand new to this game. What they are brand new to is pricing like one of the premiums in the market. And I fully expected this to come out closer to like head rush territory. Mm. I did not expect them because to me, you know, they call this tone master, but what I'm really thinking is Mustang. <laughs> you, you see what I'm saying here? Um, Cause uh, up until now, the only thing we've known the tone masters do is to pick an amp and yeah. model it. That one, that one amp. And suddenly they want us to trust with all of these. Oh, by the way, there's zero bass content. There are no bass amps in it. Mm-hmm. So there's screw you, no player. tweeds. There's no, there's a 59 baseman. Okay. But that's it. That's the tweed. A yeah. 59, a 59 baseman. No tweed deluxe. I, it's going to get sold and people are going to buy it on the Fender name alone. They're, they've been claiming we have twice as much processing power as the, the quad cortex because they've got eight processors. Well, yeah, but... You Are know, those eight processors actually more powerful? I, exactly. So number means nothing. Also, five of those processors sitting there bored to tears because you haven't put any features in it for them to use. Just, just for some comparison here, let's go to AMD versus Intel, right? Right. So AMD has more cores than Intel has for a long time on for mm-hmm. on their recent stuff. Intel still has a faster core. 
yep. or they did for whatever long. And so it was like, cool. If I'm going to go render video, that's a multi-threaded operation. AMD was better. If you were going to play a video game that was all single threaded stuff, or you're going to do CAD work, or you're going to do something like that, Intel was better. So right. it, it's not saying, oh, eight cores versus four cores, the eight cores is clearly going to be better because you have to have to, you have to be able to take advantage of those cores. So it just depends. Now, having yeah, said so, that, you can max out the DSP and a quad cortex without really trying well, that that's, hard. That's what line six went through. Remember yeah. when they redesigned their cabs to take less DSP so that you could do more on it. And they finally and sounded good too. They did. They sounded great. Well, because they started implementing, they made some tweaks, yes, but they also made the base settings to match what basically everyone was doing, not not base BSS, BS, BASE, um, like the stock settings. Yeah. They, they put the cuts and everything in where they should have been to begin with. Instead of just everything at noon and have a nice yeah. day kind of a thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, let's back this up a little bit. Fender comes out, there is licensed stuff. So it's actually yeah. calling it Fender instead of the Prince or the, you know, the, the tongue in cheek names. Now that was only for Fender stuff and EVH's stuff, right? The Vox, the Marshall in there, still tongue in cheek naming the tube screamer, still tongue in cheek naming the Klon in there, still tongue in cheek naming, naming. Yeah. So I mean it's not like, uh, amplitude actually does licensing on all their stuff right so they so can call it what it is they can call it what it is um so that that promise isn't really fully there um it comes out with a touch screen that's very graphical yeah uh, i'm going to pull out a word from the apple days of the early iphone skeutomorphism oh morphism, where it's a lot of the graphics are meant to look like the real world object. So if you remember yes. like the old apps in iOS, you said like the games table looked like the felt of a pool table. And mm -hmm. like there were a lot of those kind of themes and they've moved away from that design aesthetic on all, all Apple stuff. You probably don't remember it at this point. Yeah. Um, they chose to implement that instead of just like a grid arrangement or something like that. So, you know, the icons on a grid system of the helix or the quad cortex um kemper doesn't really qualify in this department because they just had a fixed lineup thing you can yeah. never really move stuff around um my pet peeve with this is not that the graphics are there but the fact that the blocks are all in a left to right line mm -hmm. that don't all show up on the screen at the same time yeah that would bother so you, me you have to you have to bend over and scroll left and right to get at everything yeah I I don't think the interface was actually that much simpler than the quad cortex or the helix. It looks fancier at first. Yeah. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's all it and is. I, and I think there's a lot of people who are going to be like, oh, well, it's actually pictures of this. I love this. Which, you know, they could have done something like that mm -hmm. on all these. It's not, that's not really a processor intensive thing. It's, it's purely a UI decision. Um, I, I don't, I, I look at it from perspective of like, all right, I've already used one of these modelers on stage a lot. So I know what it's like to have to look down and figure out what's going on. Right. Now, adding the scribble scripts is a really nice move. And that's that something that the Helix does really, really well. That like mm -hmm. keeps a lot of people off of like the Helix LT. 
Yeah, uh, it's the reason I would ne- when I was looking at Helix, I was not even considering the LT. Yeah, I like having each what a word for what each foot switch is associated with. I don't like to have to try to just remember it. Yeah, I person so like it, Quad Cortex has the grid view. If you swipe up to it, it gives you a stomp or a preset view that mm-hmm. makes things a lot more viewable from when you're up top. Yeah, because um, I. But I also play with the same stomp mode thing, so I actually have what I have memorized. But I get the, I get the need for that, especially when I'm using a new preset or something yeah. like that. Um, touchscreen, I think, is a given at this point. Anything that doesn't come out with a touchscreen is kind of a hard sell. I don't, I don't want and, a touchscreen. So this is actually, if we go back to the Quad Cortex uh, desktop control, yeah, this is why I got excited about it. Is because when yeah. I'm doing. I have a litany of captures I need to do yep. and I need to name all of them. And I hate typing on a touchscreen. I now can write on my keyboard, put it over. Here's my issue. It ha- doesn't have anything to do with that. I play four hour shows sometimes. Yep. In the Mississippi heat. Sometimes in places with limited air conditioning. Mm-hmm. I sweat. The idea of having to bend down and use a touchscreen while I'm sweating and my hands slick and sweat's dripping off my brow onto the yeah. screen, it gives me nightmares. I don't want touchscreen. Yeah, I mean, the I I have a fear of like someone spilling beer on the unit, you yeah. know. Um, and you see a bunch of guys in the quad cortex world. I imagine you're going to see it now for this, where they're buying screen protectors with like f- plexiglass that flips over it. Yep, because they're too scared of breaking the thing. That's what I did when I had my Helix. I had uh, protectors over every screen because I can't tell you how many times a sound guy has been taking the microphone out of a mic stand and dropped it on my pedal board. Oh. My or- big, my biggest issue is people unplug my crap. But um, <laughs> like so, someone trips on a cord and unplugs me in the yeah. middle of a set. I, I've had it. And there's nothing like coming out to stage when the pastor's praying and trying to power back on your board and try to figure it out and then tune and then jump into the song. Like, it's just like, come on. Um, anyway, uh, we didn't talk about the FRFRs that they came out with either. Yeah. They did a 10 inch and a 12 inch. People are raving about these FRFRs. I think they look rad. I like that they kick back. I like the way they kick back better than the way the, um, line six ones do. Yeah. I mean, it, it looks like a Fender amp on stage. It looks I, like a Hot Rod Deluxe on stage. I was going to say, but... I think going with the Hot Rod Deluxe aesthetic was an interesting choice. <laughs> well, at that price point. I mean, you... Now, what was the bias at again? It, the bias was like 150 bucks, 200 bucks, 250 bucks. Which one? The bias one we just looked at. Oh, yeah, it was... Um. Oh, I wrote it down. This is, Oh, because I best scratched it out because we talked about it. So now I can't find it. Anyway, oh, it was, 269. 269 versus $550. Yep. 550. Um, I think the um how much is the power cab plus and the power cab by line six? Let's see. Power cab is 650 for the 112 power cab plus. Yeah, for the plus, and then the, and that's the standard down from 850. Good. Yeah, and Lord. the standard is 499 for the non-plus. How much does the powered Kemper Cone go for? I don't know. So with the the non-powered cab, uh, sorry, the non-plus is probably more akin to this one. So the Kemper cabinet 
200 watt one by 12 is five, yeah. 540 so okay not so unheard of in, it's all in the same ballpark yeah there's um there's a freedman for fourteen hundred dollars yeah no it's 500 watts so i mean yeah, there's no. there's also mission makes one it's actually not that original yeah they have a powered thing that looks like a cab and we've everyone's really been obsessing with it even though it's not really that new of a thing right um but it looks like a fender cab so we're all excited nostalgia yep that's it it's just nostalgia which is fine whatever um i am not impressed with the tone master pro i'm just not it doesn't if it was a thousand bucks would you be i i wouldn't buy it but at a thousand dollars i'd be really excited about it being on the market so someone brought this up and i think i think it was Rhett Shaw brought this up or he was the first person i heard say it of the how much you want to bet fender charges for updates yeah Yep. Oh, you you want the you want the tweeds? Yep, that's gonna be a even if it's something like nine fifteen dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I that it feels like where they are right now. That would be par for the course. Yeah. Um, I've heard a lot of people say it does Voxes really well, and it does the Fender Deluxe Reverb really well. Yeah, I've um, heard the the British stuff, the Marshall stuff, is just not in there i i found a lot of the high gain stuff sounded really dark which is in, weird in, in the set demos yeah because i feel like that's what the line six and the quad cortex do better than well axe effects but again we we quad, said quad effect. cortex does high gain what was really a high gain thing exactly um that clowns like me started discovering the edge of breakup stuff on um but Rhett Scholl's demo was a really interesting one because he seemed to have an issue that was slightly audible on everybody else's, but it wasn't really as pronounced as Rhett's. Yeah. It was also really interesting because Rhett's like, well, I just plugged it in and I started playing. So it's really a curious thing of what happened with his. Yeah. Um, oh, and he, he he plugged it in, updated it, and then started playing. Yeah. He was, on, he was the most recent update. Okay, so maybe the update had something to do with it. Maybe not. I don't know. Um, um, but there was this real harshness where I would, I would say it sounds like the preamp clipping mm-hmm. before it actually hits the, the simulation. And like, it sounded like the digital preamp clipping at really high frequencies, which could have been like an impedance setting or something. I'm not sure. No idea. It came across a little like, um, nope, never mind. I have no way to illustrate I, I can't think it's, of a it sounded though. like a bad plug-in with your audio card not set up correctly yeah yeah like so you're playing through like guitar rig it just it just sounded fine in a lot of the demos some people were getting you know really giddy about it but i was like i this it sounds okay it sounds and then also there's not enough effects in it it's missing a lot of effects and i think fender has yet to really find a way to grab a foothold in conventional effects pedals yet they they've released some good stuff i liked some of the pedals but they haven't done been anything consistently enough to make people really think of them as a pedal company mm-hmm. and now yeah. you launch a premier flagship modeler 
And that actually, I think, builds into some of, our, some of our skepticism about this unit. Yeah. That I honestly don't expect an update to it. I don't, I don't, ex- I'll be honest, when it comes to modeling, Fender has done nothing outside of the Tone Master when they like really laser focused what they were doing. Mm-hmm. On the general side, they've done nothing to give me any confidence in them being able to do this to any actual consistent quality did they make a tone master head could they they did, did they? Oh, you, you remember the cyber twin that's what they made i know i i remember the cyber twin yeah that's but like I, the, I the just, current tone master range is all combos I, it's all combos but hold on i need to come back to the trauma i'm just realizing why i don't trust fender to do this because i played the fucking cyber twin oh you're poor back I I tried to get good sounds out of that thing. It was awful. I don't care what any artist who was paid money to endorse it says. But it had motorized knobs. Yeah. That broke. It broke real quick. Which may be where my trauma around trusting the Chase Bliss motorized faders comes from. Apparently that amp traumatized me more than I thought it did. Well, also motorized faders on mixers, the first couple generations of those were pretty rough too. They were very bad. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe that's it. I just, this isn't an arena I trust Fender in. And I feel like the jump from their Mustang series to the Tone Master price wise is just, I think that you're, they're punching well above their weight and not winning. It's like when Boss did the Waza amp. Yeah. The Katana was like way too good for the price point. Yeah, there was and no then reason. the Waza amp. We were like, no, nope, no thanks. And then we all hacked the Katana to get the Waza amp models <laughs> in it. And honestly, that's an interesting one that I started thinking about when we started talking about this discussion. I was like, if if Boss just came out with a Katana in a box for six hundred bucks, five hundred, six hundred bucks. Yeah, right. Not an MS three. Nope. Not the not the GT. Not the 1, GT core, 1000 core, just called it the Katana and it was like 400, 450 bucks. But they actually did the whole, all right, it's all the boss pedals. Yeah. By name licensed in there, the way that MS3 actually was. Yep. The MS3 was awesome once you dialed into the controls. It would just suck to, to do program it. it. Yeah, because um, boss's interface is trash. Yeah. Uh, which keeps me away from boss multi-effects, even though Same. they sound really good. Um, I think, I think the HX stomp boss is the one who has to meet it and boss could mm-hmm. with, with, even if they just did their crunch high gain Brown basic amp names that they have on the Katana. Yeah, I think they could. I I'm really surprised that they weren't able to. But and it's I, the think same I think they're. I think the but the other interesting one is there's so much stuff from like the Donners and the Sonic Cakes and all that that are sitting feature wise below and price point significantly below the HX Stomp. Yeah. So maybe well, it's just too crowded of a market already. I I had the the Hot Tone Ampero Two Stomp for a mm-hmm. little while. That's a great. That thing sounded great. It had a few features missing from what the Stomp could do. But it was great. It was a it was a great sounding unit. Uh, pretty easy to use. Touch screen didn't like that, but that's fine. <laughs> um, I think there are there are a lot of things there in that market. But I think line six, as much as we joke about the um, spider, 
Yeah. Line six has a reputation for doing this kind of stuff. Well, that's that is line six's product. Exactly. That's their so, primary product. So I think if you you're gonna try to price, I don't think you're gonna win customers pricing at line six. Yeah. You better be something brand new, something wild, you know. I'm looking at the something like the quad cortex. It was that was a vast departure from the typical multi-effect amp modeler oh and it, it blew the kemper stage out of the water exactly. in a lot of interesting ways yeah because it was so, bringing that it was bringing that tech and i i don't think we talk enough about the head rush prime yeah it's especially I, I it's... now that the head rush prime has that like little version of it mm -hmm. well so quad cortex was able to enter this market by bringing something really really new to the table yeah that's how they were able to compete with line six um I, axe effects um they do it just they're i, I feel like they build a reputation just because they're hard to get like I, but they sound great you have to be so committed you, where can you try an axe effect you can't i mean kemper has this problem too but actually yeah. there's so many used kempers everywhere now that you can actually get your hands on one and try one yeah. i mean they have a retail location now in chicago oh nice they have a kemper store here really but it's it's chicago and in germany Interesting. that's it i don't know how that relationship started yeah. i don't re and you you book appointments there i think part of it is like i think they coach you through how to do good captures okay so like you that, show up with your amps and your camper and the, the, it it's almost a service like all right yeah. show up with your stuff we'll mic it and do it it's almost a studio day right yeah so well, all all the all your recording studios trying to look for a way to make some extra money on a half day or a one day. There's an opportunity. It. Um, but yeah, I, it, to to the point though, Fender isn't bringing something brand new to the table. There's nothing brand new about what they're doing. They literally took bits and pieces from everybody else. They don't have a reputation to lean on in this market space. And they just spent, I don't want to talk about how much money in marketing on this thing because it was literally flipping everywhere. Yeah, it it was, remember the Acoustasonic Jazzmaster Revolt? Yeah. It, it was mass release like that. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it was like the event and you saw people literally go, you saw some of the demoers going buy one to try it yeah. out. I mean, a lot of them also had retailer relationships where they didn't feel as bad about returning one after right. they're done with it. But, um, yeah. But I, I don't think that Fender has the name in this market space, specifically the modeler. I don't think they have the product. And I think they've priced themselves too high out of the gate to not have all the ducks in a row. Yeah. I mean, they literally launched with a USB port on the back of it that even they don't know what it does. Oh, that sounds like Kemper. <laughs> yeah. The Ethernet jack that suddenly started working. Uh-huh. Or actually, here my favorite one, the USB port didn't work other than factory updates on the Kemper for the longest time. Then no, they had the desktop editor, and just recently, they now can operate as a USB interface on 10 fit 11 year old units uh-huh with a software update suddenly enabled that it's insane yeah. that means they knew they could have done it they just haven't gotten around to coding it yet 
and it, they're a small little shop with no intention of ever being more than a small little shop. So yeah. like, I think Axe FX has a little bit of that too, where they're like, no, we don't want to become line six and become acquired by Yamaha. Right. That's not what they're after. Yep. So I, all that to say, just to the, the tone master, it sounds good. It sounds fine. Yep. I think it's overpriced for what they released. And I have a hard time trusting Fender in this market space. Sir, I, I have a fun counter. I, I got one last question to close this out. If this piece of hardware did not have a Fender logo on it and was released as Amplitude with Tonex in it, in this form factor, would you be all over it? At this price point? In the in the low thousands, let's call it. Like 12, 13 range? Yeah, headrush prime area. Yeah, head yeah. And yes, at that point, I would have thought this is interesting. So, IK, you have the technology. Yep, they between, literally have it. Between the Tonex now running, since Tonex runs in Amplitude, um, you have all the licensing, you have you have the expanded purchasing model. I think IK is the real last person to enter the space that's relevant. Yep. That hasn't. Um, I think Tone Master should have been an amp head with all these features so. in it. That could have been really rad. Again, I'm having Cyber Twin flashbacks, but yeah. Cyber Twin was a combo too. Yeah, was more of a combo had, than was they it. They had a head version though, didn't they? I think they did. Yeah. This just goes back to our previous discussion of like Fender never was able to market anything other than combos very well. <laughs> yeah. Once once they once they developed the deluxe reverb, it was like, oh, you're a combo amp maker now. What if we threw six speakers in a combo amp? Or better yet, Eight. that was six tens. Let's do four twelve inch speakers. In a combo. In a combo. <laughs> you gotta shake that reverb tank, bro. <laughs> having gotten to play through one not that long ago let me tell you man the thing will um it'll move you yeah your guts get realigned <laughs> <laughs> your whole body just starts sliding backwards yeah it's like that uh people going in the room and playing a plexi at 10 i man i i have played a hundred watt marshall on 10 and I really, really shouldn't have. <laughs> really, really shouldn't have. One of the more painful experiences of my life. Yeah. Well, speaking of shouldn't have, we should not have gone this long for this oh, episode. God. So we should probably wrap it up. Yeah, dude. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So let's let's land this plane. Uh, Philip, thank you for joining us. Where can people find you if they haven't uh, already? If they haven't already, anywhere you listen to podcasts, on YouTube, uh and also 40 wattpodcast.com there you go links there anything fun in the in the coming up here that you want to tease uh no i don't think so we'll see i've still got that amp in my cart so <laughs> fair enough uh if you want to find us go to the effects loop.com you'll find everything there our facebook group our instagram our merch we still have merch it was running on sale the other week by the way oh wow yeah i was looking through it being like oh maybe <laughs> I, I've really wanted our logo on a shower curtain. <laughs> I, I, every time y'all mention it, I think of the shower curtain. I'm like, oh. <laughs> I was trying to remember. There was something in there that I was like, oh, I could, I could do that. Um, I still have the coffee mug. I use it all the time. It's great. Um, you can also email us uh, at 
theeffectsloop at gmail.com. Um, and also sign up for a Patreon. If you are a patron, you heard an, an almost an entire hour pre-app with me and Philip. So oh God. there's three hours of content with us this week. We've um, been a long time. We we haven't talked in a minute, so that's true. Which also we need to start talking about um, possibly another Nashville trip. But yeah, dude. Uh, <laughs> we go on double. Da- we'll go on double dates now. It'll be fun. Yeah, it'll uh, be good. Fun. <laughs> As long um, as I start wooing. Yeah. And then uh <laughs> especially in Nashville, yeah. Um the last one is thanks to sorry, so Patreons, if you join our Patreon at any level, you get our episodes early when they come out through exclusive Patreon feed. That includes the pre-app as we're getting the show ready to go, and there's off, often cut content and other fun things like that that happen in the pre-app. Or other times you just hear how Diaz just can't get his life together. And to sit down and have a conversation it's really entertaining because you hear me lose my mind um <laughs> but at the five dollar tier you also get a, a backstage access to our chat room group where you, there's a constant discussion about new gear coming out with frankly people i rely on for expert opinions like philip and some others that are in there so it it's a fun little place to be if you're really into gear um and the last person thank is electromotive sound uh check them out check out the clone v3 ping him say the effects loop sent him and you want a new phaser yep 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 gotta do it gotta do it with that thanks for joining us this week philip and have a good week everybody bye hi y'all
supposed to be one Hate annihilated, every heart is one Love again, so Don't bother me